Carter and you're listening to Grow on the Go. And today in the blanket fort, I have my buddy. Your buddy. <laughs> my buddy. Levi. No, well, he's my buddy too, but yeah. you're my long, long, lifelong buddy. Right. Did the yeah, my podcast. Husband, my husband, he, Randy Carter. Did the podcast people know about Levi, the podcast dog? Oh, yes. Oh, well, okay. I thought I that mean, was who your buddy was. <laughs> <laughs> there have been times when... Levi's been fighting for his life, and I've just been trying to shut him up because I didn't want dog noises in the background. But, you know, this is just who we are. We're just real and more real than I ever thought I would want to be publicly. There you go. It's been a long time since I've been in the blanket fort. Yeah, I think the last time might have been when Kevin was still in Australia. Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. Last spring, summer sometime. Well, it's not that Kevin, you know, is unavailable. Um, it's just that we have both recently read a book called Enemies of the Heart by right. a- Andy Stanley. Yes, fantastic book. Yeah, and we both have really been pretty profoundly impacted by it. So we thought we should share it with you. And maybe as you, um, you know, think about summer coming up and you maybe have a little bit more free time or maybe you're just on lockdown and you have way more free time than you ever wanted <laughs> and need some kind of diversion thing to do for goodness sake um then maybe you'll pick up this book so yeah enemies of the heart by andy stanley now it's not a novel it's not an escape book but no. it is an uh, well i think a well-written easy to read uh, book and I think it's a great book because I read it probably six, maybe eight months ago, mm-hmm. and I still remember the main points of the book. And I don't have a good memory. I've got ADHD, so you know how people talk about getting their ducks in a row. Well, I have no ducks. I have squirrels, and they're in a cage having a rave. So, <laughs> well, I I picked up the book because, and by I mean picked up the book. We always buy our books electronically, so I opened it on my device. Doesn't look nearly as impressive in the background of your Zoom shot, though, to right. have your library. Yeah, that's right. Your your Kobo or your yeah. Kindle sitting there all by itself. <laughs> that's right. Um, but um, yeah, you were able to tell me, you, you know, pretty much the main theme of the book and. Um, that made an impression on me. It sounded really interesting, but also just the fact that it, you had already internalized it so fully. Yeah, it's really quite... For me, it was it was really good. Yeah. Before we get on to that, I think we should just talk about something very exciting that's coming up for us this weekend. We're going to go get our trailer out of storage and get it ready for the summer. We're hoping summer will come. We're hoping summer will come, and we'll hope we're hoping that there will be someone somewhere other than our driveway that will be allowed to park our trailer. That's right. Right now, the rules in Alberta are no outside gatherings of more than five people. Yeah, so it's not like we can go, you know, camping with all our friends. Um, Do we still have? Friends? I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> 
Well, we've had friends that we've had Zoom meetings with, and we've had friends that we've had some outdoor gatherings with. Oh, by the way, our last outdoor gathering? Well, I don't want to talk about how expensive our last outdoor gathering is getting. <laughs> <laughs> we had friends over on our deck. Outside. And it was getting pretty chilly. Completely within the rules, yeah. just so we're yep. clear. We were totally within the rules, yeah. but we fired up our patio heater to try and warm us up because we were so enjoying being together and weren't ready to part yet, but couldn't go inside. And so fired up our patio heater a little too close to our vinyl siding. Yeah, if you have a house with vinyl siding, barbecues and patio heaters are not your house's friend. So at and one it, point I looked up and saw some of the vinyl siding starting to drip, not literally, but droop. Droop. For droop sure, down droop. the side of the house. Yeah. And my friend said, Oh, and is that a crack in the window? Oh there's a crack in the window. And of course we just replaced our windows about two years ago to a a very large sum of yeah. money. Yeah, there's nothing much less gratifying than spending a big bag of money on something that doesn't look any, any different, different. Than what you replaced, but the windows, all the seals were broken and some of the sashes and or frames, whatever, the wooden windows were deteriorated. So we needed to so do So we it. put in really good three pane vinyl windows. Vinyl windows. You know what? Mm, Made yeah. out of the same material as the siding. So I've discovered that the frame has uh, melted rather melted badly a too. bit and warped. Yeah. So we're still mm. finding out what it's going to cost. Yes. But we are going to get our trailer out of storage, and we are going to stock it, and we are hopeful that maybe someday we'll be able to go somewhere. We usually go to BC, and right now they don't want Albertans yeah, at all. The border is closed, so uh, we'll be there. But we have mountains, although Banff is on fire, right? Not literally on fire, but on fire with COVID right now. So I don't know that we want to go there. We might just have to find ourselves a. Well, the thing is, even when you do find yourself some place that you know you think no one else will have thought of, it's just jammed <laughs> with other people who are desperate for some place to go. How people all think alike. <laughs> It is. Anyway, that's what's exciting in our world. I know it's not a lot, but um, now you're going to really be excited to hear about this book because our lives are so boring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, the book is called Enemies of the Heart, and I love Andy Stanley because he's he's brilliant, but he manages to communicate things very simply and accessibly. Yeah, I really appreciate his communication, so I enjoy hearing him preach. Yeah. I enjoy reading the things I've read that he's written. And it's just like hearing him preach, actually. It is. He it's writes in his very voice. much. Yeah. 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 It's very cool. He His editors, he's well enough known that his editors probably don't bully him into changing the way he wants to say something. That happens to some authors who are slightly less well known. Anyway, um, he asks the insightful question what causes disruption of our peace and well being? Mm hmm. And he kind of boils it down to four big emotions. Yeah. He calls them enemies of our heart. Yeah. And do you want me to mention them? Yeah, sure. Sure. So I, I, I don't have any notes in front of me, but it, the book really did sort of stick. And so uh, the first one is anger. Mm -hmm. The second one is, uh, shame's not the right word, it's guilt. Guilt. Uh, Actually, guilt is first, then anger. Oh, okay. Guilt, yeah. anger, uh, then greed. greed, 
and then uh, jealousy. jealousy. And he goes on in, in each chapter to give each one of those things sort of a, a little handle. Yeah. And so uh, shame is IOU. I've done something and now I have a debt to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, anger is you owe me. And he talks about how that is really the basis of anger. Somebody's done something and now you owe me. Greed is I owe me. I deserve this. Mm. And uh, then jealousy is God owes me. Yeah. Which, it, it, and it's, it's amazing how that has stuck with me. Okay, well, let's unpack that a little bit. But um, I, I thought it was fascinating how he, he says early in the book that we're not taught to monitor our hearts. Hmm. We're taught to monitor our behavior yes. and maybe our words. And so some of these ugly, unchecked emotions in our hearts that we're not taught to monitor and certainly not taught how to deal with, um, those just fester and they they become very unhealthy. And, and that's what ends up spilling out on people in our lives, right. especially our families, because when we come home, we let down our guard and more of what's really inside comes out. Hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, and you know, uh, of all the people in the world I don't want to hurt, it's my family, the people closest to me. Yeah. And right now, only you and I are in the house together. So, <laughs> it's, so look out, Levi. it's in both of our best interests <laughs> to deal with the enemies of our hearts. Um, in Ecclesiastes, uh, uh, wow, that was hard, hard for me to say. It wasn't Ecclesiastes, actually. It's Ezekiel. Uh, 3626, God promises, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. So God has ways of helping us deal with the enemies of our heart. We're not just stuck with them. So, um, you know, when we have inappropriate behavior and we utter hurtful words that litter the ground around us, What's our solution apart from God? Are, are you just leaving that hanging there? <laughs> well, I kind of oh. thought you might have something to say, but um, well, I it, mean... It's unusual that I don't, but I don't know ex- well, what ex- the answer is apart from God. Exactly. And I think that's the point, is that if we don't have god and god's word to help us know how to deal with those toxic emotions where we just we just try to hide them mm, and yeah. that's that's not a helpful well and, and you thing. talked about how um you know we we treat people uh with the because of these toxicities in our heart mm-hmm. but it really is the emotion that results in the behavior yeah you know our behaviors are driven by our hearts well, you've got a, a good sermon in, in, in which you talk about the fact that, uh, you know, when you put pressure on a toothpaste tube, you know, what comes out? It's toothpaste. Yeah, it's a rule. Shock, shocking, yeah. right? It's <laughs> if not something shaving, else is coming it's out, it's not shaving back. cream yet. If it's preparation H, you've grabbed the wrong tube. <laughs> and it's not going to Turn the lights good. on in the bathroom. <laughs> what is in our heart comes out. Um, in Jeremiah seventeen nine, it says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it really is? 
Hmm. We're, we're often really unaware of what's going on in our hearts. So anyway, let's talk about that first, um, the first enemy of the heart, guilt. Right. The I-O-U piece. So I've done something, and it's usually a secret now mm. that causes guilt. Um, I, I've, I've taken something. I've said something. I've done something. Um, and now I know the other person may know I've done it, or they may not know I've done it. But it's eating away at me. But I know I've done wrong. Mm-hmm. And so now, how do you deal with that? Is is the question he asks. Right. So the um, the scripture he uses, one of the scriptures he uses to unpack, this is in Matthew chapter 5. And somebody's at the altar. They're ready to offer God a sacrifice. So in other yep. words, they're ready to worship God. And Matthew says, don't do it. If there's something wrong in your heart, something wrong between you and someone else, go fix it. Right. Before you can, implied is that we've got to fix things with other people before we can worship God. Mm -hmm. So what is the antidote then? Well, and again, Andy Stanley is so practical. And he illustrates and shows that the antidote for guilt is confession. Mm -hmm. It's coming clean um, and it's asking for forgiveness. Now, you need to understand that just because you confess and request forgiveness doesn't mean that you're going to be extended forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But the antidote for our hearts is is to to confess confess it. Well, and confession is is about more than just admitting you did something. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that in the Roman Catholic Church, um, there has been, I'm not sure if it's this way right now, but the idea behind confession is you don't go every week and just confess the same sins over and over again. In fact, from what I have read, um, I've never been to a Catholic confession, so just from what I've heard from others is that you're not allowed to do that. And the reason is that you're expected to go fix that thing. You're expected to to not do it again, and you're expected to go and make restitution for what you did the, the first time. Well, and yeah, I think um, asking the question, what do I need to do to make this right, mm-hmm. is an great. important part of confession and apology. And I think confession and apology need to go together. So apology meaning, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What can I do to make this right? Yes. Uh, I think that is is an important part, certainly in a in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the "I'm sorry" rings a little empty if it isn't followed up with uh, a, a communication of "I'm going to change" or "What do I need to do to make this right?" Yeah, it's interesting to me that James talks about. Confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Mm. And I remember a time before I read the book where I was stewing in guilt. I was away on a missions trip. I was speaking to 100 (laughs) high school and college students. And in a seminar I was giving before the evening talk that I'd been asked by the organizers to give, 
a student asked a question and I, in answer to their question, told a story as if I had done this story. I had thought about doing it, but I have right. actually never done it. And as I am launching into this story, I know I'm lying, but I just forged ahead. Lying right out loud lying before God to and all everybody. These people I was supposed to be talking to, and I was devastated. And I, I did, I preached that night, but it felt like I was trying to toboggan on concrete. Hmm. I was, it just felt like the, the message was going nowhere, and I was consumed with guilt hmm. for lying to all of these students. And I confessed it to Jesus, and the next morning in my quiet time, I was still struggling deeply with guilt. And uh, God reminded me of James chapter 5, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. And the healing is of guilt. Yeah, in my case, this was the healing yeah. of guilt that I needed. And I argued with God as to why that was a bad idea <laughs> right. and why that would not be appropriate and how that would lower me in their esteem. And finally, after telling Jesus all the reasons this shouldn't happen, mm -hmm. I just finally got obedient and said, okay, the next time I stand up in front of these, this audience, before I preach, I will speak the truth and I will confess and ask for their forgiveness. Um, and when I made that decision, I was actually free. Now, it was very difficult to stand up in front mm -hmm. of 100 students and a bunch of leaders, high school and university age students on this missions trip and admit I'm a liar, uh, but that I was free. Yeah. So it, as I was reading Andy Stanley's book, I could relate to, oh, uh, yeah, that's how it works. Mm -hmm. You know, that guilt that I was feeling, uh, as soon as I agreed that I would confess that and do what I could to make it right, I was free. Hmm. Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, the second enemy of the heart is anger, which is based on the lie, you owe me. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that um, when, when we're angry, it's always because um, someone has hurt us. Well, Usually it's some form of rejection. Yeah, something has been... In our heart has been threatened, our sense of well-being, or we've been physically hurt, or we've been, uh, you know, Timothy Keller would call them idols that we've set up in our own hearts. Right. Where anytime my security, my comfort, or my sense of significance is threatened, uh, that is an attack. Yeah. And. The, the way Andy Stanley puts it is, um, show me an angry person and I'll show you a hurt person. Sure. And I guarantee that person is hurt because something has been taken. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, continues that debt model that he set right. this book up around. When anger takes hold in our hearts, we start, we, we can actually start to believe that everybody out there owes us something. When we let it, when we let sure. it simmer and take root, right? Yeah, we've we, sort of met people like that. We have met people like that, and it's like if you if you bump them a little too hard, you get a blast of anger, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, what is the antidote for anger? And yeah, tell us what's involved in that. Well, and again, Andy Stanley puts it very beautifully. And the the antidote is simply this: forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's the way to deal with our anger is to forgive that person. 
And I think sometimes we get, we mistake what forgiveness is for. We think, and I've had students say this to mm-hmm. me, if I forgive that person, I'm letting them off the hook. Right. But in actual fact, forgiveness isn't for them. Right. When Joseph forgave his brothers, they didn't even know he'd forgiven them. Right. It wasn't until years later. Uh, but it, forgiveness is for me mm-hmm. so that I don't have to live with this toxic bitterness that results in outward anger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he gives steps for fully forgiving someone that I think are really good and are a little bit different from the steps that I've heard before. One is, um, first of all, identify who you're angry with. That's right. fairly obvious. But the second one is determine what they owe you. Hmm. Not not what they did to you, but what they took from you. Right. That helps. That makes it very, very specific. And I think a lot of people who say they've tried to forgive and and uh, and they couldn't, they don't get specific enough. You know what? What did this person actually take from me? And then the final step he says is, don't forget the debt, cancel it. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, a difference. Yeah, this this forgive and forget thing. No, that's doesn't work. No, it, it's not a reality. Well, I think sometimes if we have truly forgiven, we will over time forget, or at least we forget the intensity. Yeah, I think we might, the intensity is lessened, the pain is lessened, Mm -hmm. but I don't think we ever forget the damage. Mm -hmm. I think it becomes a scar in our soul that doesn't have to remain tender forever. Yeah, it's not bleeding, it's not infected, but it is a scar. And it's not tender, but when you've been really, really wounded... Mm -hmm. I don't know that I don't think you'll ever forget that unless suddenly no, you I get think, Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Um moving on to greed then, and I, I know these are huge concepts and we're moving right. pretty quickly, but it's a half hour show, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so greed. Um this is um the the way that it's defined really by scripture is someone who stores up stuff for themselves, but is not rich toward God. It is, um, so what is the, who owes whom in this scenario? Well, this is, I owe me. Okay. This is, I deserve this. I should have this. Um, It may be, you know, greed may be medicating some inside stuff. And I I believe it's Andy Stanley who makes the, the point that there are Wealthy, greedy people, mm-hmm. and there are poor, greedy people. Yeah. It has nothing to do with how much we've accumulated at the time. What it actually has to do with is being afraid that God won't take care of them in the manner to which they've become accustomed or would like to become accustomed, yeah. right? It has to do with fear. And, you know, that gap between how God might look after me and how I feel I need to be looked after causes an anxiety that draws someone to always want more it's 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 an uns, it's not an uh, an emotion or a need that can be satisfied because these people are fueled with uh, these people as though I've never been greedy before um, <laughs> are fueled by what ifs like what if that happens or what if what if there's a pandemic and I can't work for a year whoever thought that would happen you know what if this happens what if that happens and then I'm gonna need this and so this anxiety keeps them ironically keeps them in the state that they're trying to avoid, which is the the anxiety of not having enough. Mm-hmm. 
right? So when we don't have enough, it's interesting that we, when we don't feel like we have enough, we ask God why. You know, why don't we have this? Why aren't you providing for me? When do we ever ask God why when we have more than enough? Mm. Well, and enough is somewhat um, subjective. Absolutely. Because if you have a roof over your head and you're eating multiple times a day, you are richer than 80% of the world. Yeah. Uh, but in comparison to my culture, I, I might be quite modest. So it, it is subjective. It is relative um, in, in that. I, I love what his antidote is, though. Just before we talk yeah. about that, though, um, I, I think it's important to acknowledge that in, in North America, we typically allow our lifestyle to keep up with our income mm-hmm. or maybe even surpass our income and we've got credit card debt or whatever. Yeah. Andy Stanley says... Um, if we've allowed our lifestyle to keep up with or surpass our income, it's almost impossible to keep greed out of our hearts. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, our very lifestyle um, promotes greed, basically, in, in our culture. And I think it's important to know, too, that greed isn't a, just a feeling. Um well, maybe you go on go on and, and uh, give the antidote before we talk about um, Well, and very simply, he says is. the antidote for greed is generosity. Hmm. It's, that seems so counterintuitive. It does seem completely counter, but I think there's a scriptural principle throughout the Bible about this idea of giving back to God um, and how God looks at generous people. I think... Uh, We have a financial advisor, and I appreciate that he gets paid some of the money that we give him, but I'd be a little choked if he used all of it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so that is, the antidote is like being generous and seeing ourselves as managers of some stuff that belongs to God. That's right. Not as as our own stuff, yeah. Um, He he says, uh, Mandy Stanley says that giving... Um, we need to give to the point that it impacts our lifestyle in order to break mm. the power of greed over us. Mm-hmm. So that's that's good. Okay, the fourth one we have to keep moving here is jealousy, which is? God owes me. Okay, so how do we get that? How do, how do we deal with it or how well, does that happen? How does that happen? Well, I see things that other people have that I don't have. And it's, it, how, how, why isn't God giving me that? Hmm. And so I want what they have. God, you owe me. And often then we start to um, be um, abusive toward the person that we're jealous of when our problem isn't with them at all. Our problem is is with God. Well, they represent the problem. Yeah, they represent the problem to us. Yeah, and of course, James talks about this. He said, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that were within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Okay, we might not go quite that far. Um, You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you do, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Really, he's saying that our resentment has nothing to do with the person we're jealous of. It's that we're not getting what we want. 
And the antidote he gives for this in a few sentences? Really is uh, about becoming that person's champion, uh, becoming their cheerleader. Celebrating their success, what they have. Yeah. Yeah. What a powerful thing it would be to to raise our kids, teaching them to monitor their heart and teaching them these antidotes. It's a little late for our kids, but I think they're doing okay. I think so. Yeah, I know Kevin for sure really gets this last one where she really celebrates someone else's success if she's feeling jealous. Yeah, and I uh, recently came across something that was really bothering my heart and realized I'm jealous of him. Mm. I need to make a change. Hmm. Well, that's all we have for you today on Grow on the Go. I'm Donna Carter with... Randy Carter. Welcoming you to Grow on the Go. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com. 